The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And so to the last Culture Club of the year, our last pre-Christmas Culture Club, and I'm delighted that we're joined by the winner of the Lifestyle Book of the Year at the Unpost Irish Book Awards recently for her book, The Hike Life. Ros Purcell, great to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Tell us a little bit about this beautifully produced book and how you came about doing it. Uh, well, this was a book that I had in mind for a long time. Uh, about three years ago, I started pitching it to publishers across Ireland and no one was really biting because, you know, we were in the height of lockdown. Don't know, did anyone need, uh, want to put the, you know, the money and the resources into a full colour? Because at that stage, book. you were restricted to either two kilometres yeah. or five kilometres as aren't staying in your county. And you're mm-hmm. talking about a book of all these wonderful hikes <laughs> all over the country. Yeah. So it wasn't, uh, well, I wasn't getting the reaction I wanted. And I finally found a really great publisher in Scotland, Black and White Publishing, who hike lot, who create lots of books on hiking the Munros in Scotland. And, um, you know, they're used to making kind of coffee table style books and hiking style books. Um, so I, they were the perfect match and they were willing to take a risk. Um, so yeah, it was a book that I, had in mind a long time ago and I decided I want to pitch it. Tell us about your love of hiking. How long have you had that? Um, well, I grew up in Stephenamon Mountains, so it was a middle of nowhere. We only got internet there last year, so that'll tell you <laughs> kind of the surroundings of it. You know, there were, I'm pretty sure when, you know, everyone was using Google Maps, we didn't even have anywhere to tell them to go on Google Maps. Um, so the only way to escape my parents, um, they're lovely, but, you know, as a teenager, was to hike. Okay, on your own or with friends? On my own, there was no one really around. <laughs> well, the, the only other neighbours we had were two boys on my road, so I think my parents preferred if I went alone. <laughs> you don't even have a dog to bring with you? Uh, we did, actually, yeah. We had a dog called Elkie. Um, and now she didn't love, because we lived on a farm, she preferred to run around the farm, but we would just go off hiking alone. And I think that's probably why I feel quite comfortable on a mountain and in the woods. Um, also back then, you know, parents probably didn't really think about their child going off for six or several hours, you know. Um, but yeah, that's where my love of hiking and more so actually my love of just being outside okay. came from. And now you've gone all around the country to find 50 hikes. Are there 50 hikes worthy of inclusion? Oh, there was even more. I actually had a list of about 75 starting off. And I, you know, I had originally I kind of had this idea I wanted to do 100 and it was unrealistic if you wanted to go into the detail I want, I wanted to go into. So I cut it down to 75. And then I kind of started polling my friends and family and my audience. I'm like, you know, out of these hikes, which do you think? So it kind of came down to a process of elimination and also making sure that it was kind of evenly divided between the provinces of Ireland. Because that's what, how the book is broken up. Okay, but what makes a good hike for you? Um, there's a few things. Um, it would have to be the scenery. Um, the location of the hike in terms of what it's offering. Is it offering like a lovely coastal walk? Is it offering a horseshoe lake walk? Is it offering that, you know, a beautiful forest walk with a waterfall? Like, what are you going to get from it visually? I think with the with the ones in the book, they're definitely to scenic hikes. Yeah. We're talking about the fa- the top 50 most scenic trails in Ireland. Um, and It's a hard one to answer because you have easy, moderate, hard, very hard. So, you know, it's going to cater for people who are looking for a really well-marked trail um, that's, you know, 5K around that up to people who are looking for a really big challenge. You know, and with the challenge, you kind of get more epic views as well sometimes. Well, how long do you like to spend out on a hike and how many kilometres would you tend to go for? Depends on the day. 
Depends on the weather, isn't Depen- it? Yeah. Um, I have no query saying that I'm a fair weather hiker. I I really have learned over the years what apps to trust with weather and when to turn back on a hike when the weather changes. And I think that's actually stemmed from doing my mountain skills courses and going on to try to become a mountain leader. I have kind of washed away my ego with hiking in that like, you know, sometimes you'll have a plan, right, we're going to go out hiking this Sunday. And next thing you know, the weather is horrendous and the mountain you've planned to do is completely covered in a cloud. The winds are really strong. And I used to be the type of person who would just go, well, I said I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. Whereas I've definitely learned through, I think, the training I've done and respecting the mountains, just change your plan. Can it be difficult? I mean, have you ever been injured? Luckily, no. Um, but I think I do what the most I can do to make sure I'm prepared and I'm as safe as possible going out hiking. And, you know, bringing it back to, you know, I have hiked from a very young age, so I'm quite familiar with the different terrains and I suppose the different conditions you might meet when you're hiking. But also I've done my, a lot of mountain training, so I have the right gear, I'm prepared. And as I said, the biggest thing is I know when to turn back, I know when to make decisions. And that's something I think that has come along with me the more I've hiked. Well, getting into the culture club, which we asked you for, do you ever put headphones in? Do you listen to music or books when you're actually out hiking? Or do you just keep the, the head clear for enjoying what's around you? Um, Very irregularly do I listen to music on a hike. And that's actually just for a safety thing. I like to be really aware of my surroundings. Um, so maybe if it's like a really well-marked trail and it's very popular, maybe on the way down, I might just throw something on if I kind of want to get the pace going if I'm alone. But um, yeah, no, I really try to actually keep very aware and alert and make sure I'm hearing everything. Okay, well, let's get to your culture club choices. Yeah. And let's start with the first piece of music that you remember buying. What are you going for? Britney Spears. Hit me baby one more time. And I know, I know it's one of those kind of cliche things, but I was nine when this came out and it was just such a big song. And I remember... It still is. It still is. And I just remember, I think my biggest memory of it was seeing the music video on MTV. It was like, we lived in the middle of nowhere, but we had MTV. (laughs) So I always like, I can remember pretty much every music video from the 90s, just from watching MTV. And it was the first single I bought with my own money. Um, my parent, well, my my auntie, who sadly passed away, basically, well, she used to give us two euro if we went to mass <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> we were altar girls as well, my sister and I. So we get two euro afterwards to spend in the shop as a treat. But I remember I saved them to buy the single. Let's hear yeah. Britney Spears.
it's still such a great song. So, Have you followed her career since? Yeah, and I actually read her autobiography that came out recently. You know, she did top me off number one spot from the book. <laughs> but you know what? I actually was just thinking there. I was like, if my younger self knew that Britney Spears' autobiography would top my book off number one, that's totally acceptable. It's fine. I love Britney. Um, I love that she's kind of a, having a redemption and getting to tell her story finally. It's And the book was really quite sad. And I suppose... I have been such a fan of her since I was a child and followed all the press along with it and to actually finally be able to read her side of it was just heartbreaking. Did any of it surprise you? Um, not really now that I'm older. Okay. But I think a huge, uh, there's a big sense of me that that felt quite guilty because I think I think a lot of people can relate to it in the early noughties consuming those kind of trashy magazines and consuming all that we were taught and like society branding her in a certain way and you know going along with that and thankfully we've come a long way and we don't do that anymore well we've kind of come a long way you know we, we might still it's just do on it. different channels perhaps yeah it's perhaps, social media yeah. no more I think um, people are definitely maybe being held to account when they do do it now yeah. Um, but yeah it was it was I've always been a fan of her and I've always kind of wanted her to be able to give her side of the story and um, I'm just glad she got to do it and the book is really good I read some of it and I audibled some of it and it was fantastic Okay mm-hmm. let's go to favourite album and uh, this is a good one you've picked yeah. as well tell us what you have So is Daft Punk Alive the 2007 album uh, I grew up with one sister loving Westlife and Destiny's Child and Britney Spears and the other sister listening to just Daft Punk, Just Dece, like all the kind of techno music. So I think I have like a mashup of their two musical personalities because I was the youngest. Um, but Daft Punk are by far my absolute favourite. They're the one. Of, they're an artist that I would wish I could go see. You know, I never, ever got to go see them. Yeah, um, there was talk of them reforming for the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games in Paris next year, but apparently they've completely demolished that idea. It's not going to happen. It's They're so, done, apparently. It's the one thing I say to Zach all the time, because he obviously works in the music industry. I'm like, do you ever think Daft Punk would ever get back together? Um, yeah, I absolutely love it. It's I listen to their songs still. I listen to this album all the time. And because it's a, like it's a live audience, I just think the energy you get off it it's, you know, you can't compare it. Okay, the track we have is Around the World, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Yeah. 
It's brilliant to listen to even in the comfort of your own home or in your car. Mm. But can you imagine what it would have been like to have been there? Oh, I was just thinking about it. And you know what? Listen to that. It makes me want to go for a run. I, I put that on if I need to, you know, like if I need to give myself the, the boost to get out and go do something, like go for a walk in the evening, like listen to that makes me want to get up and move. Um, and I think that's partly why I love it because growing up, like I loved hiking, I loved going for mountain runs and I always listened to Daft Punk. So it always gets me in the mood to like go out, out and do something. Do yeah, big time. Favourite band or artist? You've gone uh, back into the past from before yeah. you were born for your acts. Yeah, so my... As I said, my sisters inspired me with the kind of electronic music and then the kind of pop music. And then my parents inspired me with a lot of the old classics like Fleetwood Mac, um, the Eagles. Like that's what we would have grown up listening to. Um, my mom was a little bit more classical. I do love I do love composers and all that. But um, my dad was a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. And I actually didn't really know much about them until about 10 years ago. They came to the three arena. And I said I'd buy my dad. Was it about 10 years ago? It was. Yeah. I think maybe a little less than that, but I was yeah. there one of the nights they yeah. came to the Three Arena and, and it was just brilliant. Yeah. So Even though Stevie Nicks could hardly move on stage. <laughs> yeah. So I got my dad tickets as a surprise and I said, you know what, I'll go with them. And I was. So before I was going, my dad was getting so excited telling me all about the band and like, you know, the album rumours and all the all the drama between them. And I was like, God, I could get into this, the old band, you know. Um, and I just went to the concert and I could not get over it. The amount of songs I knew, obviously, from growing up, but just how incredible they were alive. Yeah. Um, the and energy. Every, for the I mean, energy. like, and they were getting on a bit at that stage. Yeah. Lindsay Buckingham, incredible energy. Mm-hmm. Christine McVie, of course, has yeah. since died, just sang brilliantly. And Stevie Nicks, I said, she hardly moved from the spot she was on, but she was still brilliant. Exactly. So that's why I think, you know, they'll always be a timeless band and still will be my favourite. And hopefully, if I do have kids, they'll be listening to them in the car as well. Let's hear a bit of Fleetwood Mac, The Chain. Brilliant, oh, Mac. So good. Ross Barcelona, you have two very different best gigs you've nominated <laughs> for us. So you've gone for both Calvin Harris and Ennio Marcone. So tell us why you picked those two. So um, Ennio, basically in sixth year I did Cinema Paradiso for my Leaving Cert. Okay. And I became obsessed with the, the music of the movie, the love theme and Cinema Paradiso song. Everything about that movie. Everything about that though. movie, but particularly the music um, and I started then going back listening to The Ecstasy of Gold The Good, The Bad, The Ugly and realising I know all these songs from all the old movies I used to watch um, so I brought my mum to see him as a present and I had the best time of my life and I just think there's nothing like going to see a live 
orchestra, composer like that, that has done the music for such big movies. Like these are songs that like will still be being played in a hundred years time. Like they are incredible and like actually, you know, I know obviously then I have Calvin Harris who's doing everything on a little computer, but like (laughs) seeing all the different components to make a song, it was just mind blowing. And I think nothing beats a live orchestra like that. Well, let's hear a little bit of Ennio Morricone conducting live. It's in Moscow in 2012. Now, tell us about Calvin Harris. Where did you see Calvin Harris and what did you like so much about his performance? I'm going to sound really old now, or young. Uh, Is that Longitude? That's okay. (laughs) A lot of our listeners would have been to Longitude over the years. Um, So my partner um, helps run Longitude and um, he booked Calvin Harris. And I was like, oh my God. Because Calvin Harris was the, the, the soundtrack of my teenage years, my early 20s going out to nightclubs. So I love, I know all of his songs. Some of them unwittingly, I can sing word for word. Um, And I just really think he's a fantastic artist. It was two hours of pretty much every single song that you know and love and could sing along to because he just released his hit after hit. So, and he did like a cool remix with Hans Zimmer, who I love as well, like during the mix. Um, And the lights, I think it was just, it was just a really great show. Um, He's an artist that I really like. um, And I know it's such a, it's such a, when you see his name in, in between all the other things I've said, I, I'm a, I have an eclectic mix. Okay? You do, and that's great. Yeah. And that's what we love. And we're going to get to more of that eclectic mix when we get to movies and televisions and books and musicals when we come back with Ros Purcell for the Culture Club after this break. Welcome back. Ros Purcell is with us for the Culture Club today. Ros is booked The Hike Life won the award for the Lifestyle Book of the Year at the recent Unpost Irish Book Awards and I'm sure it's going to be many people's Christmas stockings next week. But let's go to your other choices, Roz. And uh, we asked for a favourite movie or actor or director and you've gone for Will Ferrell. Why? Well, I love all his movies. Like this time of year, Elf. Come on, Elf is such a great movie. And you have things like Anchorman, you have um, uh, you have Step Brothers. Like he's great for comedies, but then he can also do things like um, the, um, the Shrink Next Door, which is a brand new series that's out. Um, it's great. And he's in it with Paul Rudd. It's not a comedy, believe it, with those two characters. Um, but... But the reason I really love him because he's a nice person. Okay, How do you so, know that? Because he came to UCD um, to, I think just to an accept an award for the arts or something like that. And I went to see him and he was so nice and went around, spoke to everyone and gave so much of his time. And I just remember being like, he, he was after doing Anchorman. He was so famous by then. Anyway, this was only 2008 or something like that. Um, and he was just a sound lad. He's really sound and he's really talented and I love a great comedy. So he's my number one. We 
I'm not going to use a clip from Elf because we did so with somebody <laughs> else recently. So we are going to indulge ourselves in listening to a bit of Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy in Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Uh, Christina Applegate also features in this clip as Veronica, who of course is Ron's fellow news anchor. <laughs> I'm so glad you're all right. Oh, God. I have something so magnificent to tell you. Listen. I, I'm listen, here. I have, we can do the news now. It's all right, everyone. I want to talk to you about we can, it. We can do the news. Hold on. Everyone, why are we all standing around? Let's go. Ron, we just did it. Veronica filled in for you. What? Listen, sweetheart, we were so worried about you, and we waited as long as we could, but... Darling, I did the news, and I nailed it. I nailed it. Wait. Wait, Veronica, please tell me this is some kind of sick, tasteless joke. Is You weren't here. Why are you being this way? Why can't you just be proud of me as a peer and as my gentleman lover? Oh, jeez. I can't believe you did this to me. You read my news. I told you that I wanted to be an anchor. I told you that. I thought you were kidding. I thought it was a joke. I even wrote it down in my diary. Veronica had a very funny joke today. I laughed at it later that night. I can't believe that I cared for you. Get out. Just go. We are through. Through. Because of your actions, you scorpion woman. (laughs) Will Ferrell. Okay. I have to say, you've probably the musical you've picked is probably the most popular musical of all the people who've been on the Culture Club previously. This keeps coming up time and time again, and I would nominate it mm. myself. Hamilton, why have you picked it? So I'm not big into musicals. Neither am I. Yeah, I don't actually really go to them or enjoy them very much. Now, when I was younger, um, my mum's friend used to love them and bring them and bring us to like hairspray and something. I used to love it as a I think as as a teenager. Um but growing now that I'm an adult I never go and my friend got me tickets to go see Hamilton for my birthday in London. I was like, thanks, I don't really like musicals but I went and I was completely blown away. It was fantastic. From the minute it starts, this is different. Mm -hmm. It was so clever. Yeah. And um, when I was going, when I went to see it, it was probably, oh God, uh, about two years ago, Lin-Manuel Miranda was actually still acting in it. I know he's the writer of it. Yeah. I don't know, does he still do well, it, it anymore? It's split into various casts. Yeah. Performing in he was, locations. He you was actually, rarely get him, yeah. Yeah, he was actually doing it. And uh, it was just, it was so good. Um, and I didn't expect, I think the biggest thing was I, I didn't think I liked musical. I came out and I might give, I might give a few other musicals a try after this. Let's hear from Hamilton, Aaron Burr, sir. Pardon me, are you Aaron Burr, sir? That depends, who's asking? Oh, well, sure. Sir, I'm Alexander Hamilton. I'm at your service, sir. I have been looking for you. I'm getting nervous. Sir, I heard your name at Princeton. I was seeking an accelerated course of study. When I got sort of out of sorts with a buddy of yours, I may have punched him. It's a blur, sir. He handles the financials. You punched the bursar. Yes, I wanted to do what you did. Graduate in two, then join the revolution. He looked at me like I was stupid. I'm not stupid. So how'd you do it? How'd you graduate so fast? It was my parents' dying wish before they passed. You're an orphan, of course. I'm an orphan. God, I wish there was a war. Then we could prove that we're worth more than anyone bargained for. Can I buy you a drink? That would be nice. 
while we're talking, let me offer you some free advice. Talk less. What? Smile more. Huh. Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. Ah, the wonderful Hamilton. Let's move on to books. Do you read much now that you're a writer? You must be reading a lot, do you? <laughs> well, I have a hiking book. There's a lot of photos in there. It's more of a coffee table book. And like, I think with my book, there's a lot of research. Like, I love yeah. research. I love facts. I love history, mythology. So that was, I think, very much, I'm not really creating anything there. But, but the um, book you've picked is a fascinating book mm-hmm. because it's about one of the most controversial cyclists of his era. Tyler, ha- Tyler Hamilton's book the Secret Race. Tell us about this. Um, so I read this book, oh God, about 10 years ago. Um, you might remember, I, I was I did a lot of cycling back in the day yep. and uh, I kind of just became obsessed with cycling and like the doping in cycling. I think that was very much like yeah. uh, just after kind of spiralling and everything was coming out. So Tyler Hamilton's book is all about um, himself and his teammates, one of them being Lance Armstrong at the time. And not even particularly him, but, you know, it speaks about him in the book, but it speaks about everyone and and the different things that they did to get ahead in the game. Um, And it was really, really interesting. And I couldn't put it down. I have read many books since and that's still one of my favourites. And even though I don't cycle anymore, like it's one that I keep going back to recommend people to read because... I was just, I could not get over the level that they went to to get ahead. The level of cheating? Mm. Let's hear a little bit of this. This is the audio version. It was written by Daniel Coyle, but this is Tyler Hamilton himself about what makes him stand out. I'm good at pain. I know that sounds strange, but it's true. In every other area of life, I'm an average person. I'm not a brainiac. I don't have superhuman reflexes. I'm 5'8", 160 pounds, soaking wet. If you met me on the street, I wouldn't stand out in the least. But in situations where things are pushed to the mental and physical edge, I've got a gift. I can keep going no matter what. The tougher things get, the better I do. I'm not masochistic about it, because I've got a method. Here's the secret. You can't block out the pain. You have to embrace it. I think part of it comes from my family. Hamiltons are tough. We always have been. My ancestors were rebellious Scots from a warring clan. My grandfathers were adventurous types, skiers and outdoorsmen. Grandpa Carl was one of the first people to ski down Mount Washington. Grandpa Arthur crewed on a tramp freighter to South America. My mom and dad met backcountry skiing in Tuckerman's Ravine, the steepest, most dangerous run in the Northeast. Their version of a quiet, romantic date, I suppose. One line jumped out of me there, Roz, mm. that you can't block out pain, you have to embrace it. Mm. You know what, I have to say, like, just even listen to that back, I'd read that book again. <laughs> I would, because it's been so long. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I am just genuinely fascinated with sports stars. And not sorry, stars, but like athletes and people who've done incredibly challenging things and their mindset. And obviously, look, there was a whole scandal behind this book as well with the doping uh, that was very topical at the time. And I I liked to read a lot about, but it's a great book. Highly recommend it. Okay, now you said you had MTV in rural Ireland where you grew (laughs) up. You had lots of television of the year. Tell us about what you loved growing up. Uh, When I was younger, I loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I think I think everyone kind of my generation did. Um, I was also the generation of Pokemon. 
I collected the Pokemon cards, yes. Okay. Um, but then I also watched the shows that my parents watched, like Ali McBeal, Frasier, Arrested Development. Which is uh, brilliant. Which is so good. I love that show. Um, and I, I, I have a, I don't really remember being such a big fan of Big Brother, but recently my parents found all these old postcards that I sent from Irish college where I would just go, I'm fine. Who won Big Brother? And I just wanted <laughs> updates on Big Brother because we weren't allowed to watch it in Irish college. So supposedly I was a massive fan back in the day. Um, and I think then, you know, now I I don't really ever... It's TV is different now. We don't have something that's rolling over constantly. We just have series that we can binge. And what I really like at the moment is the morning show, Lessons in Chemistry, um, Buccaneers... Uh, but the one show I always go back to is Curb Your Enthusiasm. I oh, know, that's a good choice. Like, Zach and I will just sit at home and re-watch it. And remember, recently he brought out new episodes of it. Yeah. I and mean, it was like Christmas. We were like, oh my God. Um, yeah. Larry David, great. as curmudgeonly as ever, oh. but still some of the situations that he puts yeah. himself into. Are You're kind of cringing, but also you just like, it's, he manages to be so humorous. and. We actually have a clip from the most recent yeah. series in which he bumps into his friend Hal at the golf club. <laughs> Hey! Hey! Hi, Hal. Hey, Larry. How's your, how's your dad? Uh, you know, not great. Ah. Uh, Came to get his lucky rabbit foot. He keeps it in his locker. He got oh, a really? whole one with this, so. Really? Maybe I should start playing with a rabbit's foot, huh? Yeah, you never know. Well, um, give him my best. Yeah. Well, why don't you pray for him, huh? Hmm. Yeah? Come on, now. Pray. Uh, I'll feel like an idiot. I can't do it. Are you kidding me? Well, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. How do you even do it? Do you get on your knees? Do you oh, put you your, your to hands together? Just what? say, God, please make Saul Berman live. That's it. Uh, idiot, I can't do that. Do you know that prayer to Jews has been integral since, you know, getting out of Egypt, right? I would submit it's as big a waste of time as watching the Kardashians. I don't understand you. This is why you join a club, so that you can be together with other members in a time of need. No, I joined for the golf. And you know what? I'm enjoying pickleball, too. Have you played? What if your prayer were the thing that saved him? Wait a second. Are you praying? Of course I'm praying. So uh, let, let me put myself in God's shoes for a second. Okay. Oh, the, oh, there's the sun. Oh, the sun's praying. Yeah, I need more than that. I'm going to need more than that. Oh, oh, no, Larry. Now, Larry David. Oh, okay. I'll save him. How do you know prayers don't work? Because I'm bald. <laughs> Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm oh. Ross Purcell we need to finish mm-hmm. and we ask everyone by asking for just something different a buried treasure anything that you think people should know more about and uh, you've come up with a fantastic choice tell us about it Cormac Begley Okay, he is a traditional Irish uh, well his I suppose a genre is traditional Irish music he uses a concertina um, but while he's playing well if you ever go see him in concert he'll tell you all about the concertinas he's playing and like the history about them and like some of the um, concertinas he has, he might be like, this is one in f- one of five in the world. And he tells you stories and then he, he plays songs. And um, it was actually my partner who got me into listening to him. Like, I'll never forget it. About four years ago, he was listening to this like trad music. And I was like, what are you listening to? And slowly, I suppose I started kind of just hearing it in the background and kind of wanting to listen to yeah. it myself. And now I'm addicted. And anytime Cormac Begley's playing somewhere, I'm there. Um, and he's a really nice person. I think the songs are really, it's funny when you're listening to them, you just like the hairs raise up on your back yeah. and, and on your arms and it makes you feel really Irish. And I don't, I can't explain it, but I think because he's playing songs and using instruments that 
are very in our tradition. There's something about it. Our last clip is Cormac Begley playing O'Neill's March on the concertina and this is at Calmore Abbey. <laughs> there. Ross Purcell, what a terrific way to finish off the Culture Club. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. That's it for today's programme. Back at half four tomorrow. Until then, for me, Matt Cooper, have a great evening. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-